Welcome to the Powercast with Charlie Johnson. I'm one of the world's leading fitness and transformation coaches. I'm going to be providing you with the tools to build your ultimate body and mind. It's an absolute pleasure today to have uh, Adam on the podcast. You're actually fairly local to me, so uh, thank you very much, sir. No problem. Thank you for having me. Appreciate uh, it. So for anyone who doesn't know who you are, Adam, let's give us a, a brief intro bio of your background, who you are, what you do, where you're from. Yep, so from Crawley, which as you say, uh, isn't too far from you, so it's five minutes from Gatwick Airport. Um, background would be, oh, good, good question. Uh, <laughs> when I was younger, I did uh, rugby, boxing, football, was super active all the time. Um, ended up with Osgood Schlatter's disease and then something called Blount's disease. So I had to have both my legs uh, broken. Uh, was in a wheelchair for eight weeks, non-weight bearing, pinned and plated, not ideal. At the end of it, had super skinny legs, no muscle mass. Uh, I couldn't run, uh, you know, couldn't change direction like I could with all the other sort of contact sports that I was doing and decided to just join a gym and rehab myself. Joined my local virgin, added some muscle tissue um, and had a few people comment that rolled it that thought I'd trained for a lot longer. End up helping sort of people that I was at school with. And then from there, I thought, right, I'll make this kind of my, my passion, my job. I enjoy training people. Um, so that's what got me in the industry, which was, you know, falling into How old were you then out of interest? 15. 15. So it sucked. You know, I was, uh, yeah, I was relatively good at rugby. Um, it was just super active, always playing sports. And then to suddenly get told that you have to stop, you know, uh, it was, it was a ball ache, but blessing in disguise, because then it kind of led me down this route. And I was a PT for about 11, 12 years on the gym floor, worked in London, worked with loads of clients, but I've always been purely body composition based. Uh, so I've never done the whole, you know, sports specific injury rehab. It's always been, you want to add muscle tissue or you want to get leaner. I'll help you with that. Similar to myself, like a transformation specialist, essentially. Exactly that. Yep. Just nail one thing. Uh, you know, I think it's a big mistake when you see, and this is a little tip for your listeners that, you know, if you're in the gym looking at hiring a PT and you look at the profile boards, if it says something like I specialize in and six, seven different subjects, they don't specialize in anything. Um, <laughs> Jack of all so trades. You, you got it, right? Yeah. It's, if I, I use this analogy that if you had to have brain surgery, would you let your GP do it? Fuck no. So, uh, yeah, so I work with clients purely body composition based uh, for 10, 11 years. And then I was doing online coaching on the side of it for about five, six years and just thinking it was a way of helping people that couldn't see me face to face. They never really thought of it as kind of a, a business. And then I got that typical burnout that most PTs, if they're listening to this, will probably you know, empathize with. And about two and a half, three years ago, decided to take the plunge to go all in with online coaching. Uh, set up a business called RNT Fitness. Did it, it grew phenomenally, and then I now kind of have like a fifty-fifty where I still work with clients that want to get in shape, uh, and then I also help PTs on the gym floor come off of the gym floor, or at least get them out of that you know the rat race of the. Um, How interested your initial online clients come to you? My initial ones were back in the day, I was on bodybuilding forums. Okay. I was a little like... Old school. Which old one? Old school. Uh, UK muscle, yeah. uh, muscular development. This is back yeah, when like Lane Norton. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Muscle talk. James Collier that run that. Yep. Um, so I was a real nerd back then, just wanted to learn anything nutrition. Um, so I was just on these, on these forums uh, and would sort of give advice. 
And um, gradually I'd have people sort of, you know, message me through there. And of course, these were all up and down the country. So that's how I started online coaching. And I remember it was that crude that I'd literally sit there in bed with like pen, paper and a calculator uh, and literally like handwrite, you know, their, their macros, their formulas. And then I type it into to an email. And now, of course, you've got apps, you've got video uh, sharing and all this. It's, it's crazy, the difference. But back when I was doing it, Instagram didn't exist. And uh, online coaching wasn't a thing. This was just a way of me being able to still have some contact with somebody. So it's quite Forum funny. Coaching. What's it, sorry? Forum coaching. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was, and, it, and that was kind of the trigger. And it was just a little side thing that would, you know, I charged maybe, I don't know, like 50 quid a month or something. It was, you know, it wasn't a lot of money, but it was more enjoyment. And then, yeah, I just hit that point where it was like, you know what, there's, the world's a big place. And all the time I'm stuck on the gym floor, I can really travel like once a year. You know, anytime I take time off uh, to go on holiday, I'm, I'm not getting paid. I've got the cost of the holiday plus pissing my clients off, plus losing money. Up, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I wanted a solution out of that. And I remember saying to somebody maybe four or five years ago, if I could work for my laptop one day, like that would be the dream. You know, um, I love helping people online. And then uh, fast forward five years. I'm doing it. So, so yeah, that's it really. So kind of fell into the industry with, a, with the operation, which was less than ideal. Um, and then competed in bodybuilding and stuff. Uh, and that's what got me down the, into the body composition route, I guess, is I'd come from, you know, competitive sports, but team sports. Um, and then when I started training, I still needed a focus and a goal. I'm not very good without, uh, you know, being driven without goals. I always need that what's next sort of thing. And somebody just said to me, right, well, you can't run anymore, um, but you can lift weights. So it's funny, you know, after my leg operation, I could squat, deadlift, lunge, all that sort of stuff. It's just running that's uh, more like Forrest Gump. So, um, yeah, that led me into competing and then PT, online PT, and now helping online PTs become better online PTs. Here's a question for you. When you first started PTing, what's the one thing you wish you knew which you know now? Give to yourself a young, a young Adam. Yeah, I think if I was to go back, young Adam, it would be stop searching for some magic macro formula. <laughs> I remember I was obsessed looking at all the top people in the industry. You know, at the time it was Phil Graham, it was Nick Mitchell, it was Poliquin, it was Lane Norton, all these guys when I was coming up. And it was looking at the results, you know, that they put out and then wondering, you know, what secret formula is it eight calories per pound? Is it, I'm genuinely like I would, I would search all over the internet trying to find this. And the truth is the client just needs to be in a deficit. And it's really, it's the, the mental side of things. If you can get a client buy-in. So I wish that I'd understood client adherence and psychology. Um, when I first went to it, instead of looking, if I was to translate it to people now, it would be stop wasting time trying to work out the perfect macro formula stop worrying about whether you need to program a deload in at week eight or week 10. And if you're an online coach, stop worrying about which app you're going to use. Like it really just pick one of those. And it's, it's the old, the, 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 the thing that separates the, the trainers that get results or not are the ones that have the clients that have bought into them and can keep them adherent over the long term. And that's sort of what we were talking to sort of briefly discussing before we jumped on the call is that like, having buy-in the process of whatever you're doing is the, the key to success. Because ultimately if you don't, believe 100% in something, then the chance that's not going to happen and you're not going to stick to it. So like, that's the most important thing to me. 
Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I sent an email out yesterday talking about like the power of subconscious. And I sort of came at it from a business point of view that, you know, you've probably got experience this maybe that if you've been on masterminds and stuff like that, you'll learn stuff in the mastermind that you can apply and will help your business over the weeks and months. But there's almost always like a short term spike in growth afterwards. And it's this subconscious effect, I think, of just being in a room around people. And I likened it to back when I was on the gym floor, that the trainers getting the best results uh, were the ones that took their own training seriously. And it's just because subconsciously, their clients then want to level up. Yeah. So again, if, for the PTs listening to this, you know, if you're wanting your clients to get better results, again, rather than fretting over the, the perfect macro split, just check right. yourself. How seriously are you taking your own training? Um, you know, are you in aspirational shape? And that doesn't mean shredded. doesn't mean you have to be the most jacked dude in the gym. But are you, you know, taking your own nutrition seriously? Are you training seriously? Can they see that? As soon as you start doing that, just they buy into you so much more. And it's, it's all on a, it's a weird subconscious level. It's happened time and time again with trainers that I've helped. Where as soon as they pick a photo shoot to do themselves or they say, right, I'm going to truly get lean. I've let myself go suddenly they start getting results with their clients a lot better. Yeah, that's something I'm a massive believer in is like leading by example and you should practice what you preach. Like for me personally, that's something I try and do is like document the journey of what I'm doing to try and improve my physique to then help educate and inspire my clients along the way. Um, so I think it's the same yourself. When you're truly passionate about something, it shouldn't be something you would do from a business point of view. It should be something you do anyway because you love doing it and you want to help people. Yeah, you do that and then just by default, you're leading from the front. Yeah. You, know, you, you follow your passion and then people will just follow uh, and then they just, and that in turn, without you doing it directly for your business, indirectly, it has a, a positive impact and just your clients around you, they just want to succeed. impress you and succeed. Yeah, definitely. And it's, uh, it's, it did make me chuckle a little bit. One of my clients uh, sent a photo of a PT in his gym eating at McDonald's at 6.30 in the morning, like a Big Mac, like sitting on a treadmill. And I was like, I can't remember what I responded to him, but I was like, not really a great way to lead by example. Like, not there's an issue. Like, if you want to eat, that's cool, like fine. But like, maybe not sitting on a treadmill at six thirty in the morning. And do you know what I mean? It's just there's a time and a place, right? Like, it's it's no. I I love cheesecake. I was mean, exactly what I was about to say. The only reason I go to America is cheesecake factory and Dubai. Yeah, so I, I'm out in Dubai. Uh, flyouts uh, Saturday. Uh, do an overnight flight, and I've already said like first thing I do every time I land Sunday, I will be in Cheesecake Factory in Dubai <laughs> Mall, the one opposite the aquarium. I love that. Um, yeah. So so it's important to you know um, be you real. Things yeah, be like yeah, yeah, yeah. But but doing that as you say, six thirty. In the you know in front of people, it's, it's just yeah. like, it's just not setting that tone that that you should want your clients to follow. You know they should be serious eighty ninety percent of the time, and then live life ten percent of the time outside of competitions, photo shoots, and stuff. You know they're just trying to look better. And again, I, I think it motivates them if they can see that you yourself, you know, in insane shape year round, you know, you eat the, the chicken rice, the broccoli, all that boring shit, you know, it's, it's part and parcel of it, but then you're able to let your hair down, have a drink, have a cheesecake, have a five guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's normal. That's, Whereas, yeah. that's inspiring as well. Like, cause people want to see that you can have the look that you want, but then also have a life as well. Because a lot of people think that you have to be like some Spartan 
living out of Tupperware 365 days a year. And that's the first thing I say to everyone is like, all my clients, like the big thing that is almost like a rule is you have to have one meal a week with like your family with whatever you want because psychologically that's such a good mental break and gives you a better relationship with food in my opinion than trying to be fully militant. And then when you do go off, go off the rails, it's going to be like a train crash. Otherwise. Yeah. I think that's important. And I, one thing that I try and instill in my clients is that it should be a social meal. Yeah. You know, um, because a lot of the time I'd, I'd had it previously where I'd say to a client, right, you know, go and enjoy a meal off plan, like just chill, relax. And I'd hear about it and they'd order like a large Domino's and sit and eat in bed by themselves. You're like, oh, that's not really what, you know, I want you to go and break bread with others yeah. and, you know, make it about the experience versus how much food can I get down my throat. Yeah. Um, and that so, comes back to relationship with food again because then mm. – it comes back to the whole cheat meal thing, which is like again, I'm big into like language. I don't like using that, so I'd always use the word like free meals. You can have what you yep. want and a cheat in something. Mentally, is a bad, bad language to use. If that makes sense. Yep, exactly the same. I do the same thing. I use the term free meal, and it's just the the whole point of it is to just it's not to go and eat shit. Yeah. It's to just take a period. Sorry, for, uh, can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, you go wild. I should have said that before. Um, it's more the social aspects that you can just relax off of your perceived diet for a few hours. Um, and I would always prefer that myself back when I was prepping rather than having like structured refeeds, you know, where you hit 400 grams or 500 grams myself, I would just like a couple of hours where I got dressed up, you know, I went out for a meal or I just could eat a homemade roast, you know, with my parents or something like That's that. Like the first thing I was thinking is just like, if I could do anything and I compete or anything like that, and I just want just to switch off, would be like go out with family for like a Sunday roast and not and not have to care and just eat what I wanted. It's exactly that. that. But just eat like if I want to have a Yorkshire pudding, you can have a Yorkshire pudding. Like it's not going to destroy the world. Yeah, yeah. I just I think it's really healthy to do that, and and I explain to my clients when they're doing it. Say throughout the week, you and your say your partner. Say it's you and your partner. Say you've been working hard, you've been busting ass, and it comes to being able to just relax a little bit over the weekend. If the both of you are genuinely craving a Domino's or something, have it, that's cool. Because it's between the two of you and it's, it's the experience. If you want to sit on the sofa, Netflix on, have that, that's great. But at the same time, if you just want to have a homemade curry or a roast with your family, like the, the point of it is that it's just a period of a few hours where you just socialize, you just forget about food and macros and all that stuff and you just relax. And if you end up just having a main, great. If you have a starter main and dessert because everybody else has it, awesome. Like it's just the experience. And I think that's, that it comes back to that relationship with food, you know, rather than making it about the food and looking at it as, oh, this is my one shot of this week to force as much shit down my throat as possible. Um, it should just be right. What memories can I go and create? And, and, and there's no better way to do that than over food, in my opinion. And I agree with that. I think I can tell from the way you worded that you've done the same thing I have, where in the past, where you've had that opportunity every week that you do go and eat as much until you actually feel sick. And then it, then you're like, shit. And that you've just, you've just overdone it so badly. Oh, uh, enjoyed it that you've just undone the whole week's progress. Yeah. I, and I think we've all been guilty of it. anyone that's, you know, got, sh let's say shredded for the first time, whether you've competed or a photo shoot, whatever it is, if you've done an extended diet for a long period of time, and if perhaps you didn't have maybe the best guidance, the first part of me, the first time around, I think we've all made that mistake of just going hell for leather with the food 
And then you have loads of gastric upset afterwards. And I mean, I remember after my first show, uh, my coach at the time, this is now 10 years ago, my coach at the time had told me, you know, your body's like a sponge. You've probably heard all this. Your body's like a sponge to nutrients. You just got to shovel food in. So I, I did what he said. I piled food in and, you know, hormones like leptin and ghrelin and stuff, they're screwed after a show. I end up in six days, I put on 36 pounds Jeez. and I'm, a, I'm five foot six, right? So it's... That's a lot of weight at five foot six. Yeah, it's a lot of weight. Uh, blood pressure went to 220 over 115, Jeez. which is very dangerous. That's like literally, um, I've never even heard of anyone blood pressure that high. Yeah, it was, it was really bad. Um, I had to have ultrasound on my stomach, you know, like the gel and the little thing like a pregnant woman has. Um, referral to gastroenterologist. And it's all because I just, you know, this coach just said to me, right, you've got hammer food, you know, you're going to grow, grow, grow. It's like, now I know that's fucking retarded. Like, you know, it's just water, fat. You, you know, you can obviously gain tissue in that uh, post-show if you approach it correctly, but just inhaling everything. So that's why now I'm so passionate about the relationship with food is because I fell down that, that trap the first time. Um, and then uh, I think each diet you do, it gets easier and easier. Yeah. After, um, after my last show, I just uh, I was meant to go out with uh, friends after the show. And I got off stage, I was like, mate, it's, it's half nine at night. Like, I'm knackered. It's been a long day. I've been up since five this morning. I'm actually happy just to go home. And I literally drove home after the show, had a couple of protein bars, and I just went out for pancakes in the morning for breakfast. I didn't even eat anything that night. Um, so yeah, I think you can empathize, right? Like I uh, yeah, last time I competed, the that night, the show after the show, I ended up eating so much Turkish food that I was like lying on my bathroom floor with my stomach like a turtle with like abs popping out, like feeling like I was gonna like my stomach was gonna explode and I'd been sick. And then uh, I've I've never felt so ill in my life. And I had a photo shoot the next morning at nine o'clock, it wasn't ideal. And um, I carved up pretty heavily for it. And um, it's one of those things I always, not that I would ever recommend you do that, but I find with some things in life, if you push yourself to the very extreme and once you've pretty much been there, you know you never want to go there again. So, but now when I start to feel a bit, a bit full, like it's getting a bit uncomfortable, like that's it, I'm not enough done. Like, yeah, it's, it's a steep learning curve. You know, you can, ex and you, I explain it to any client that I do help compete. And I, I want to make it like, I don't really prep people for shows. I do maybe three or four people a year. Um, for the most part, it's a pain in the ass prepping people for shows. Really? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a pain. I always explain to them, if it's your first show, you know, this is what's going to happen. I send them articles that I've written on it. And I'm like, this is what happened to me. So just, but no matter how much you explain it, when you've had that physiological adaptation of, you know, the hunger hormones and everything, almost always I'll get that message going, mate, I feel like death, <laughs> you know, exactly like you've done. They're like, I'm on the bathroom floor. Like, you know, my stomach's cramping. I look pregnant. I'm like, yep, you didn't listen, but it's a good thing. Cause you've learned it. You've experienced yeah. it. You're probably not going to do it again. And again, Nick, I think because as we briefly touched on earlier, I think one of the hidden areas people coaches don't look at enough with clients. And the, the biggest thing that overalls everything is human psychology and the psychology of the individual. Um, do you have any specific tactics or like ways you try and find out a little bit more about people when they first start working with you? So obviously it's a process as you, it's from coach to client in terms of you generally get a feel for people after a while. Yeah, um, it's, I think it's always a red flag if within the first week or two uh, of working with somebody, the, their first question to me is, when do I get my first cheat meal? Yeah, that, that's, that's that, a lot. that says a lot. That says a lot. It's you know, that's somebody that's after short-term gratification for sure. Other than that, 
it's, it's hard because I've been doing it quite a while now and working with clients for probably about 13 years now. It's almost intuitive. You know, I ask leading questions and I kind of get their responses. I try and occasionally with my longer term, more advanced clients, I'll try and get them on a little call every so often, just sort of suss them out. And then I try and adapt to, to their style. So if I've got busy corporate type clients, you know, I'll reply in their style. It's typically quite short, sharp, punchy get to the point clients that are more humorous and write me essay type things i'll respond in that nature so i try and mirror my clients basically and build empathy talk about life type stuff i try and bring that in there and then throughout the course of the coaching relationship my big thing is i'm always trying to work out what their real why is you know when you send them their application form and their goal is to lose body fat that's usually the tip of the iceberg you know, it's really, it's deeper than that. Usually it's a guy that hasn't seen his dick in three years or, you know, it's a, yeah. you know, a girl that got dumped for a younger model. And, um, so I try and subtly get to the real reason as to what's driving them. And then that helps me, uh, in, in terms of knowing how hard I can push a client, you know, what their triggers are, uh, if I need to back off a little bit and have that quiet word in the ear rather than, you know, uh, tell them they're screwing up. Um, and then I think it's important to go through periods. Say we've talked about the, the, the post-diet area again. I think it's really important to go through periods where you take your foot off the gas in terms of making the physique the focus. Um, and I start focusing on performance for a little while. So if somebody's been doing a diet for a long time, of course, they're checking their body weight, they're taking their measurements, they're looking in the mirror. It's hard for them to get out of that cycle where it's time to start putting on some muscle tissue or build their calories back up. So what I'll try and do is sit down with them and work out what their weaker body parts are. And then I'll set them performance targets. So say it's a girl that needs to bring up her glutes and hamstrings. I might set her some RDL or sumo deadlift targets for the off season. If it's a guy and he's got a lagging chest story in my life, I might set them like an incline dumbbell press or an incline barbell press um, target. So I'll start trying to make that switch where we come away from the physique metrics and start focusing on the performance aspects that will benefit their physique in the long run, but helps that whole relationship with food and body image. It takes their mind off a little bit, just staring. It's exactly that. Uh, Yeah. It gives another route progression. That's why like one of my first questions for people is always like, what's your training been like in the gym? What's your training performance? In particular with like clients, when they come into you, I think it's the same thing where people start like a weight loss diet with you straight away but their weight's not dropping, but you know there's big body fat like adaptations happening. And then first thing I say to them is like, okay, so what's your strength doing? It's like, oh, it's as strong as I've ever been. So like, and I was like, and then I'll say to them, what, what do you think's happening then? So, oh yeah, I'm adding muscle tissue. I was like, so why do you think the scales aren't moving? I was like, yeah. you've answered the question. Like you lead the client to the answer it for themselves and then they understand. Yeah, it's hugely important that is that like educating clients, doing what you've just done, where you lead them to their own answers. And then also, just explaining the process and the reasoning behind certain things. And then it really empowers them. So for example, I set one of my clients uh, a step goal a few weeks back and he comes back to me and he says, Adam, you know, I'm an office worker. It's quite hard for me to get these steps in. So I came back and explained to him, this sounds counterintuitive, but that's why I've given you them. It's because you're an office worker and you're sedentary. Yeah. And I said to him, like, this is, this is the reason why this is what the studies are showing in terms of, you know, neat and so on. And 
if we can switch this up, you'll start losing body. And the point of it is rather than just give them a blanket prescription and then never teaching them the why, you know, educating them so that then they can make that conscious decision themselves. Do I do it and take myself a step closer to my goals? Or do I skip the steps despite what Adam's told me and then take myself a step further away from my goals? Um, so I think empowering clients is huge. Same with um, overeating and stuff. You know, I'll send them charts on, you've probably seen the chart doing its rounds on Instagram all the time. You know, the uh, like weekly average, you know, you ship Monday to Friday, then you peak at the weekends. Yeah, I send that to people so visually they can see it. And I say to them, like, there's nothing wrong. It doesn't make you a bad person. If you overeat at the weekend, just expect that that week, your results probably going to be slower than usual. So I think that's really important is doing what you've done. Give leading questions that, that have clients come to the answer themselves. And then also when you're asking them to do X, Y, and Z, sometimes just giving them the, the rationale behind it so that they get that aha moment and they're like, okay, cool. So this is why I'm doing it. Like, should I, you know, and then they can make that choice. Are my steps worth it today or not? On a slightly different tangent, like I, I, I do the same thing with a, lot of, uh, a few business mentoring clients I work with one-to-one, probably not scale you do. I find it works very well in the same, same field. So from a business yeah. aspect, you can lead people to their own answer. People always know what the answer is, but they just don't execute it out of their own brain, I find. Yeah, yep, oh, yep. More often than not, it's, it's the same thing. I, I found a, a real strong correlation with um, the guys and girls uh, that go through my mentorships for the business coaching fall into the same patterns as their, their own clients. You know, they moan to me saying, oh, my client's adherence isn't great. You know, they haven't hit their steps or they've cheated on their diet. And I'll go through their uh, social media, for example, and I'm like, okay, so you haven't posted in 10 days. What's that about? That's the, that's the equivalent of you not getting exactly, 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 yeah. It's the same thing. You know, you're telling me you're not getting enough leads, but you're not putting an X, Y, and Z to get there. Your client says to you, I haven't lost two pounds of fat this week. Well, they didn't follow the diet. They didn't hit their steps. So yeah, I, I think it's, the, the same carries over in business. Absolutely. And again, those, we've all had it where you get those clients that come to you and it's like, they think that you've got a secret, you know, magic supplement. They don't realize that they've actually got to put the work in. We'd both be billionaires if we had the magic supplement. Oh dude. Yeah, if, only. if only. Yeah. And again, it's the same with the business thing is I'll get a percentage of people that will start it and then they'll never finish their one to just jump from coach to coach. Um, let me know if the sound's gone funny. I've just got this. Nice right now. They'll just jump from coach to coach, hoping for that magic bullet when it's like, no, it's to build a business or to look better. It's, it's consistency, which is that boring word, but it's so true. I think um, Turning up. interesting you say about like the coach hopping from the business and a, a personal or a fitness aspect. I think people often go, they'll go blaming the coach, but then if it's you jumping ship all the time, the common denominator is yourself. So you sometimes have to take a hard look in the mirror and think, the reason I'm not getting where I want to be is the fact that all these other people who are so-called professionals and experts can't help me or know what they're doing. Perhaps I'm just not applying the knowledge they're trying to give give me. You can't you take a horse horse to water if you can't make it drink. What I'm saying is like yeah, it's, ex- it. it's exactly that. Is they they sign up to your program and expect for you to have you know in the business case some magic funnel um, and in the physique case a magic pill. And then when they realize you don't have that and you've worked hard to get to where you are and you've been consistent to get to where you are in both business and physique, suddenly that's not so appealing. <laughs> you know, when you've got to say to somebody, right, you need to hit X amount of steps, you need to meal prep your food 
or have it delivered or whatever. But ultimately, you need to eat in a caloric deficit. You need to train and put yourself through a little bit of discomfort in the gym a few times a week. And then you need to do that again and again and again and again. And then in business, you know, you need to block out time to sit and write content. You need to get clear on who you're writing content for. You need to follow up with those leads. You need to deliver a you know, great service if you want people coming back. Again, not so appealing. Where, especially when they've been on Instagram, they see the whole laptop lifestyle, right? <laughs> Sitting by the beach. Uh, yeah, they think they're just going to chill with their feet up at the pool and it's like, eh, yeah, if only. <laughs> yes, not, not quite that straightforward. In no. terms of, um, from a physique aspect, then what, what areas do you think a lot of coaches and clients perhaps overlook in terms of areas where they can improve where they necessarily aren't looking? Like for me, I think a few like just general topics maybe to discuss would be like sleep and digestion are probably two of the big ones, which I think are, are very valuable. They're often th- thrown aside. Yeah, so sleep is, is a big one for most of the reasons that the majority of your listeners will know about. But the main one is that it's been shown in those that sleep um, five hours or less that they produce less leptin, which uh, is a hormone that tells you you're full after a meal. And they uh, produce more ghrelin, which is a hormone that's secreted in between meals and ramps up hunger. Um, so quite a, quite a big drop uh, is seen in these, or, or an increase in ghrelin's case, uh, at five hours, even worse at four. Um, <clears throat> and then with those that sleep less than four hours per night, I think the average BMI, uh, which I know for the most part for people that train is irrelevant, but for the average person that has no muscle tissue, the BMI is actually, for the gen pop, it's quite relevant, is I think it's like 3.6 points higher. Um, so there's a strong correlation though. Those that don't sleep well, usually will subconsciously overeat. And this is why I explain to my clients that work night shifts and stuff like that is you're probably going to be hungrier coming off the back of it. Um, it's up to you whether you override it. This is the reason why these are the two hormones that are at play. You can either give into it or you can try and fight it a little bit and understand that it's, you know, you're hungry because of the lack of sleep. In terms of digestion, I'm going to come at this one with uh, a muscle growth point of view. You know, digestion, as we know, it's, it's important across the board. But again, I don't want to bore your listeners with things they've already heard before. Um, so for me, I think the biggest limiting factor with people that have poor digestion is when they're going through phases of muscle growth because it just crushes your appetite. Yeah. Like, and this is what I've suffered with myself is my, my digestive system is, is not great. And uh, in the off seasons when I'm having to, you know, put large amounts of calories away, it's, I'm just crippled. I'm not digesting it properly. You know, I'm really gassy after meals. I just don't want to eat again. Um, and that's just not conducive to, to turning over muscle tissue. And funnily enough, one of the biggest things that helped me with that, and I'm going to sound like such a hippie here, is um, diaphragmatic breathing, right? So I understand diaphragmatic breathing. So I understand all the benefits of yoga, meditation, all this stuff. I just never do it. And I remember being on a, a, like a mastermind in LA. And one of the days, the guy running it said, right, you're going to do a two-hour breathing workshop with this, I can't remember what the lady's name was. And I remember rolling my eyes and thinking, is there any way I can, like, you know, there's 12 of us on this course. Can I just sneak out and go for food or something? You know, I didn't want to do a breathing workshop. But it's one of the best things I've ever done. So straight away, she was really enthusiastic, which helped. And then she assessed everybody's breathing. And you got graded from A to F, 
um, in terms of your you know, chest breather, do your shoulders rise, or does your stomach go out? What's how much? Just with these ratios and measurements. And um, I scored an F. I was the worst in, in, in the whole group. Straight away, she looked at me and she went, how's your digestion? And I said, oh, uh, it's pretty crap. I said, you know, I get full real quickly. I can barely finish meals at the moment. And she said, yeah, your diaphragm's probably locked up. Uh, so your digestive tract won't be moving properly. So, you know, when you hear this and you're just like, all oh, right, yeah, sure. It's like, a, it's like a chiropractor, you know, that tells you you're out of alignment and all this crap. But throughout this breathing workshop, towards the end of it, I'm laying there doing these exercises and I could feel my, like, sounds disgusting, but like my stomach juices and stuff, like I could hear it gurgling away. Suddenly my uh, appetite was ramped up. I had a bit of gas, which, you know, without sounding, whatever. But anyway, I'd, my appetite afterwards for the next two, three days was amazing. So now I just kind of, uh, this is just handy for those listening to this. If you're going through periods of muscle growth and if you know that your digestion isn't great, have a look at your breathing and just Google it. If you're a chest breather, like most people, you're probably not going to be secreting like stomach acids properly, digestive enzymes. When you start learning to breathe through your diaphragm, it, uh, like massages almost like the intestines and helps kick peristalsis and everything. So um, bit of a tangent there, but basically for, from a digestive point of view, uh, especially for those wanting to add muscle, you know, they've done your fat loss phase, you've primed yourself, you're ready to grow. If you start getting the carbs towards three, 350 grams a day and you start feeling you, you just can't face the next meal and stuff, that's going to be a limiting factor long-term have a look at digestion uh, and breathing is just for me game changer i agree i think it's um that's some awesome information there to be fair honestly it surprised me as i said when i got told i was going to be doing a breathing workshop i was really trying to like get an uber somewhere else and just skip it and meet everybody else out in the evening so glad i went on it it was so yeah if anyone's suffering from digestive issues bloating uh feeling full during meals i mean mine was to the point one of my exes was out eating me. You know, we'd go for a meal out. I couldn't finish my meal. And, and she weighed like 53 kilos or something. <laughs> um, it was that bad. So yeah, now I just rein it in every so often, just question my breathing. And uh, it's got so much better. Obviously, like you, <clears throat> on that, you obviously spent a lot of money investing in yourself in terms of workshops, mentoring, and trying to like, educate yourself to be the best version of yourself that you can be, which is something that I'm, a big advocate of and I think a lot of people are too afraid sometimes to invest in themselves which I think like if you want to succeed in anything that you have to invest in yourself and back yourself to go and achieve whatever you want to achieve like like so you've learned that skill there of breathing now that's a gift of the skill you have for life like I think mm -hmm. would you agree that too many people are, are too afraid to go and try something and invest and try to learn something new all the time yeah all the time um in in most areas uh of, i mean even you know my dad for example you know he's had certain small medical issues and he goes to gp goes around in circles and i'm like dad just go do it privately no i'm not bloody paying for it i'm like dad i'll just fucking do it like let me book it for you trust me you're gonna get it seen straight away it's gonna be something that gives more of a shit so there's one example and then the other is of course in business the, the natural reaction for most people when things are tight and money is not where they want it to be is to hunker down, right? It's like save, save, save. And that's what the generations before us did and the generations before that. And that's why most people live a very average lifestyle. Uh, for me, if 
if you're if you've been in a you know a cycle for a period of time where financially things aren't great you need to do something to break that cycle just constantly saving and scrimping is not going to change that a great example is that i've got a screenshot of it is um one of the guys that went through my mentorship uh, his name's uh, Steve. he when he signed up to it he gave me the whole talk of you know this needs to work for me like you know i'm down at my last bit of money and so on and i'm like yeah yeah i've heard that before so he sent me a screenshot afterwards uh he was overdrawn by like 1800 and something pounds so it was literally like you know negative yeah five weeks in and i just wanted to this this isn't a typical result he is an anomaly five weeks in, he turned over 15 grand online literally like he was in debt in his overdraft by almost 2000 pounds. The average person would look at that and just save, save, save. And they're going to be stuck in that overdraft for the next 10, 15 years, unless they win the lottery or something. But he took that proactive approach of, okay, you know what? Like I've done my homework. I think this could work. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a risk. And it always is any, you would have done it. You know, when you've invested in your business coaches, it's a calculated risk that it's okay. Shit. You know, this is a, this is a decent chunk of money. So I'm not saying ever like be reckless with it and go to the first six figure guru that you, that you see online and give them all your money. You need to do your research and see what sort of results this person's had. But the, I think the common thing is always thinking it won't happen for me. You know, they might follow somebody for a while. If someone else has done it, why can't you do it? Like realistically. So yeah, that exact thing is, uh, I, I put this story on Instagram last year um, that basically exact phrase. So I remember with, with an ex of mine, I was 19 working in the local gym, uh, K2 and Crawley. And we got talking one day and then Aston Martin went past. And I remember, and I said to her, you know, one day that's, that's going to be my goal. Like I want an Aston Martin. That's my, my dream car. Like I like, you know, McLaren's Ferraris, but Aston Martin's English handmade. And she just laughed and she's like, and she didn't, I, she sounds like a bitch when I say it, but she didn't mean like that, but she goes like, come on, like, you know, you clean treadmills, you know, you're on 15 grand a year, you clean treadmills. And I literally said to her, well, somebody has to drive it. Like that dude's driving it. Like, why can't I, if I work hard, why can't I do it? Why, why can't it happen for me if I get my head down? And that's what I did. And then last September was literally sat in an Aston Martin dealership, like specking everything. And I sent her a WhatsApp and went, guess where I am? <laughs> it was like, you know, like seven, eight years later or something like that. So yeah, it just comes down to that. Yeah. Why can't it happen to you? And it's the same with the business coaching is somebody will follow somebody like yourself, myself, Mark Coles, Bill Graham, Bill Learney. They'll see results that their students get and they'll come so close to like taking that plunge. And then they'll just get that last minute doubt of how oh, it's fake or it won't happen for me, or this person's got a bigger following, or that person's you know, better looking, or whatever it may be, they're more marketable. It's, it's just self-crippling. I think it's one of those things, like if you don't believe in yourself, then why should anyone else? Yeah, nobody's, yeah, exactly. You've just got to just, my, my whole thing is, I'm, I always say this, you know, my mentorship on the psychology webinars, that like, my biggest fear is hitting like 50, 60, years old and thinking, what the fuck have I done with my life? You didn't go for it. Yeah. And when you think about it, the first 20 years of your life for school, education, screwing around, and then let's say from 70, 80, that's when you know, people start wiping your ass for you and all that sort of stuff. 
So you've really got like a 50 year window to put the work in and start living life on your terms. Like it's really not that long, you know, it's 20 years has gone already. Um, and then you don't want to leave it to the last minute in which you start, you know, just that gradual decline of aging and so on. You can't walk properly. And so for me, you've got like a 40, 50 year window to maximize it. So just bet on yourself and fucking go for it. And what's the worst that can happen? You go back to the Yeah, you just go. Yeah, exactly. It's like, the, the, so the worst that happens is you invest a bit of money. Maybe it didn't work out. Nine times out of 10, it will. If you put the work in. And six months from now, 12 months from now, 18 months from now, you can live, you know, a considerably better life. And that's not to say you're going to have that 1% lifestyle, you know, have a fucking private jet and all that, but to be able to just... In reality, is that, is that happiness? Like, well, no, that's true. Yeah, for me... What is it that actually, like, this sounds very sad, but for me, what I want to do is work out, travel a bit, eat nice food, spend some time with my wife... And that's about it, really. I don't really care about doing like flash stuff too much. Before. Yeah, so it's taken me a while to realize that. Um, so I remember on that, la, that, um, that LA mastermind that there was this guy that kept talking. And whenever he would talk on it, uh, he was saying some like real, the odd one liner that was like, oh shit, this dude's, you know, he switched on. And we went for food in the evening and I was sat next to him. And I turned to him and I said, like, you're, a, you're a deep guy. Like, you know, where did these come from? And he says, oh, I'm a life coach over in Miami. You know, I work with a lot of people and this, that, the other. And I said, oh, interesting. I said, can I quickly pick your brains? And he's like, yeah. And I said, look, do not take this the wrong way. I'm not depressed by any means. But if you had told me 10 years ago that I would be earning, you know, the money that I earn, which is reasonable and just nothing that I would have expected when I was that 19-year-old cleaning treadmills, that I would drive this car or wear this watch or whatever, I would have thought I'd be happy as a pig and shit. But I'm not. And I said, don't, that's not me saying I'm depressed, but you, would, you just assume, don't you, that, right, earn this money, buy this shit, you're going to be super happy. And he just looked at me and he was like, oh, you fall into the classic trap of thinking that success equals fulfillment. He's like, that's one part of the spoke, you know, of like a bike tire. He's like, you need, you do, you know, financial success can reduce stress and so on. But there's so much more to it. Family, travel, experiences, food, all the stuff that you've just named. So that's my big focus now is um, just trying to spend you know, quality time with, with people that I would like to spend it with um, rather than chasing materialistic things. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I still like materialistic things as well. Like I've always been a bit like that. But for me, it's more the memories and stuff now and, and the travel, which is why, as I said, uh, Dubai this Saturday, I come back for two days, and I go to Iceland for three nights, and I come back for four weeks, and I go to New York for a few nights. Is it's just that whole, as I said, that 50 year. Yeah, we basically see the mirror image of me. I go to Dubai in December, New York in January, Thailand in February. Oh shit, there you go. Right? It's, it's yeah, it's perfect. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just seeing the world and experiencing different things and just. Yeah, getting out. For those listening to this, and, and this is no judgment, but for me, just that whole, you know, like nine to five type thing, you know, got a clock in, got a clock out, you know, check with your boss if you can get annual leave signed off. Like, they're just, no way, no. So, yeah, for anyone listening to this, maybe use this as the kick up the arse to start looking into doing something about it rather than just coasting along thinking that things will get better because they won't. Things don't just typically fall into place. Um, you know, nobody got lean overnight. 
and nobody makes loads of money overnight. It's, you want to get lean, you typically would hire somebody that's been there before you. You can Google it and you can probably find most of the information online, but it's going to be a faster ticket if you can hire somebody that's walked the walk already. Exactly. They're just going to stop you from making the mistakes. And the same with making money. There's loads of websites, loads of resources you could probably use. But again, my advice, just put some money into it. Have somebody fast track you from A to B. And um, you'll be surprised, you know, how quickly it can all just fall into place naturally. No, 100%. I think that's um, one thing I think people need to look for. There's always like a trigger point in life where people are almost like enough is enough. So it's either the way you look or the way you live your life until you're going to start your own business where that, that flip will, the, the switch will flip and then you make a decision to take action to hire someone to help you and it will help you level up. And I think almost exposing yourself and asking for help is the first step to actually achieving whatever your goal or dream is. Yeah, there's, there's almost always a trigger behind it. Um, and then it's just whether you're that person that will realize what that trigger is and then actually do something about it. You know, is, is that trigger strong enough to make you Think, okay, right. Now is the time to put in the graph. Now is the time to this last few thousand pounds in my bank. I can either let it sit there and have it as a safety blanket that I do nothing with, or I can put it towards something and turn that two, three grand into six grand, into 12, into 24. Um, not quite as easy as that, but <laughs> you know, theoretically. Yeah, 100%, 100%. I will wrap, wrap up there because I think it's quite a good point to finish on, Adam. So yep. if you want to find out a bit more about you to get in touch about what you do from a training side of things, business side of things, how's best to get in touch with you? Uh, good old Instagram, uh, which is probably how they found this podcast, I'd imagine. Yeah, exactly. Good old Instagram. So just uh, at Adam Haley one. So it's uh, Adam and then H-A-Y-L-E-Y uh, and then the number one. And what I'll say is for your listeners. So I've got on my Instagram profile, uh, there's like a sales script thing they can download if that helps them. But what I'm in the middle of putting together is like a content matrix just to help people come up with content a little bit easier. So should have it finished in the next day or so. So for anyone listening to this, as a thank you, if you've made it this far for listening to me waffle, <laughs> um, if you do give me a follow, just drop me a quick DM and just say you've listened to Charlie's podcast. And I'll send these extra bits out as a bit of a, a, a thank you before anyone else has got them. No, that's appreciated. Yeah. So make sure everyone you drop out Adam at DM with the details for that. And also, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please like and share it onto your stories. Uh, we really, really appreciate the feedback. As always, I'm going to be giving away one free uh, custom diet program for anyone who leaves a review on iTunes. So again, if you can leave a review on iTunes this week, uh, the winner will be announced at the end of the week. And thank you very much, Adam. And we will wrap that up there. No worries, dude. Thank you. <laughs>